So for those that may be listening first, um, I am Coach Chelsea. I'm down here in Tallahassee, Florida, um, where I am a science teacher and girls basketball coach. And about four months ago, we have started this, you know, venture where coaches just kind of come together. We talk all the time about X's and O's and basketball and football and baseball. But where do we ever get a chance to just talk about our faith and just kind of how we stay afloat in our balance and foundation, what servant leadership looks like? And so I reached out to you, Coach Miller, just because regardless of you knowing it or not, I watch. I actually have a niece and a nephew at Bob Jones. Um, you know, I kind of you guys. And just that was one of the biggest things that I saw. I saw a coach that, you know, didn't just stay into sports, that, you know, was all facets. So I reached out to you and I was so thankful that you were, you know, so open to come on and talk to us. And, you know, we're just glad to have you. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch to you. So you can just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and just give us, you know, your spiel today. And I just appreciate you so much for being open to this. Well, I appreciate you asking me on here. Um, so I'm here at Bob Jones, like you said, Bob Jones University. For those that don't know, it's in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, I actually went to school here and graduated back in 2005. Uh, I had no plans really of staying here. Uh, I, I really, really wanted to be a high school athletic director and a coach and a history teacher, uh, but God had different plans. And it, it, it's kind of funny if I look back over the course of my life, uh, I think a lot of times we think of our life being like uh, a, you know, a big moment here that alters the way that I live or things that happen. And for me, it was, it's just, as I look back, God leading to the next step and then to the next step and then the next step. And, you know, for somebody from the outside who maybe doesn't really, somebody who's not really, you know, into faith or, or has a faith or believes in God, like they would think, oh man, that's just a lot of you know, coincidence. But, you know, each, each step was kind of like, oh man, all the, the quote unquote stars aligning to the next thing. And so um, the, the next thing that, happened for me was there was a spot that opened up and I became a graduate assistant here um, at, at the university and then um, another quote-unquote stars aligning but uh, you know I was able to get on as a faculty member here um, and then shortly after that uh, in 2012 was actually they announced that they were going to have intercollegiate sports here at Bob Jones I hadn't had it in almost 80 years any kind of intercollegiate sports activity so uh, that opened up and it, it was something that I was interested in getting involved with, but I, 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 you know, I was teaching full time. Um, at the time I was finishing up my doctorate and again, I had the opportunity to do an internship and it just so happened, right. That the sports program was starting and the new head coach that they had just chosen was in need of somebody to come on and help him to be a director, the director of basketball operations. So um, he allowed me to be able to do that. And it just kind of morphed into an assistant coach position, a volunteer assistant coach position. Um, long story short, the programs grew. He became the full-time athletic director. The person who they hired as the head coach to be the head coach full-time, I, I, had known and was a friend of mine already and so he was comfortable and just having me come on as his you know, assistant so like I said there was just kind of one thing after the other that as I look back it was just kind of trusting uh, trusting God and then faith just kind of taking the next step and uh, him bringing all the things that maybe again somebody from the outside would look and see as kind of like random events or random things happening and really kind of brought all my passions together to allow me to be able to be uh, where I am right now and doing what I'm doing right now. So long story short, what I am, um, I'm the head of the sport management department here at Austin University. We also have a master's program. It's an online coaching and uh, athletic administration program that I oversee as well. And then I'm the assistant men's basketball coach. So, um, you know, the academic side, we were talking even before we got on here, the academic side of things and then also the athletic side of things don't have to they're not mutually exclusive right like um and so for me it actually allows me to the things that i talk about in the classroom i'm big with this but the things that i talk about in the classroom i'm able to actually live out and practice and then you know flip side of that the things that happen on the court and the interactions that i'm able to have with players i'm able to bring those experiences into the classroom and i feel like it really helps with with being able to teach and communicate and give real life examples so 
again, it's just really cool the way that the Lord worked everything together and has allowed me to be where I am right now. That's awesome, Coach. And when we, you know, take a look at that, and that's one of the conversations that are, get, you know, is getting really big right now, you know, years and years ago, decades ago, it used to be to the place where the best athletes did not have to, you know, perform well in the classroom, you know, or handle all the, that good things. And it's taken a great turn again, where coaches are beginning to stress the important, important academics. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, coach, in, in your walk on academics and athletics and all that you see and all that you do, and I'm also a person that came back to my stumping grounds. I teach and coach where I went to high school. So I think that what, if any, does that give you a greater push for what you do because you walk those same paths? Like when you came back to Bob Jones, because you're an alum, alumnus of, of Bob Jones, does that give you a greater push in what you do? Yeah, I think it, it kind of, you know, the culture, right? I know college programs, certain college programs, they like to hire their own, um, their own graduates and allow them to be able to, you know, and allow them to be able to, to work on the staff because it just gives you a perspective. Um, you know, the culture of the school, you know, it's a unique opportunity here in a, in a college setting that not all colleges are the same, right? And we tell people, even even kids that we recruit and their parents, but we tell people, Bob Jones isn't a perfect fit for everybody. Um, as a matter of fact, for some, like this probably isn't where you should be coming or this probably where you, you shouldn't be coming to play basketball or coming to school because, you know, it's not for everybody. Uh, um, they don't have the same beliefs. They don't have the same, um, the, the mindset of, of and goals that we have here. And that's okay. That's, it's not, that's not wrong. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, there, we are trying to accomplish certain things. I think a coach would say this as well. Like, you know, you have certain standards and you have goals and you have things that you want your program to be. And everybody's not going to be a perfect fit for that. And I think that early on, especially for younger coaches and talking in the athletic setting, you know, we want the best players. And sometimes you might think like, you know, I don't know that this person is going to be a really great fit for my program, but they're really good and we need somebody that's that good. And so they accept them and exactly happens what you think is going to happen. Right? Like if they're gone by Christmas or like they don't really do what you want or they don't, they don't really help further the culture of the program. And I, I really am a firm believer. I know this is coach talk, but I, I having been an assistant now for almost 10 years, culture is greater than anything else. It's the most important thing. And yeah, it's a, one of those words that we just kind of throw around, but like it really is more important than everything else. If you get that in order and you have the right kind of culture and then you recruit the right kind of people to that culture, the winning does take care of itself. And again, I know that's even something that we throw around, but it does. Um, you know, for our level, we've been in the regional championship game, I think the last five years in a row, we've won it three times. And, and it's not because of the great X's and O's that we have, like those help. Um, you know, it's the, the even the player development sessions that we put kids through, like, yeah, those help. But it's, it's the stuff that happens away from the court. It's the work ethic that they bring to the court. Uh, the culture and the people are, are more important than everything else. And, and um, you know, I feel like you, if when you sacrifice that or you don't know who you are, going back to your original question, like if you don't know who you are, you're going to continually flounder. And so for me, you know, I know where I'm at. I know what we value here. I know the kinds of kids that we need to bring in to be able to further that. And I know that when that all happens and all comes together, the stuff that happens on the court will take care of itself. That's great, Coach, and I totally agree with that. So often that does happen, and we talk about, you know, the transfer portal, and we talk about it's that, and I see it all the time. You know, I teach high school, so we love seeing these signings. As I told you, I'm preparing for one of my young to sign herself. But one of the things that we hate the most is, like you said, by Christmas, we see kids come home, and we're excited to see them, and we're like, when are you going back? Oh, well, I'm not. And so I think it is, I don't think I know, it, it is both parts, you know, the, the parents and the village, as I would say, it's all our, you know, our responsibilities to not only ensure that that's a proper fit, but regardless of their talents. And I know that ha that has to be a hard decision to see a kid so talented and you know you want to recruit them, but you understand and you know it's probably not going to work out in the long run. 
Um, but I also think the biggest thing you said there is culture. And I think that so many times people think that it's the X's and O's and that's the reason, you know, at the eye level why the, the losses are stacking up. But culture is so big, not only into wins and losses, but to creating a long-standing program. And in talking about culture, Coach, and talking about the kids that we recruit, has there ever been a time where maybe a young man comes in and maybe their belief system does not match up, but they came anyway, and you saw a transformation in that kid? Has that ever happened in your stint? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's happened. I can think just immediately as you ask that question. It's happened several times. Uh, you know, I feel like to an extent, um, you know, if they're a certain type of kid, it doesn't matter how hard we're going to work. Like, it's just not going to fit. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be the perfect fit. I mean, I'll just be completely honest with you. The kinds of kids that typically came to Bob Jones in the late 90s and the early 2000s, a lot of the kids that we have on our basketball team, like, don't fit that. Um, but that's part of the changing times. And I think maybe somebody that would hear that would think, well, you know, they're disregarding all of their standards that they have. Or, we're not. But, you know, bringing in certain kids, there, there are certain people. I say this all the time. You know, if you look at any school or even an organization, you may not completely agree with the rules or, or everything that they do. I mean, you know, I'll give you an example with this. They have here one of the things that they, they expect of the kids is when they get up in the morning is for their, their room to be, you know, there are certain things that they want for their rooms to be clean. Um, you know, when, when you get out on your own, there's not going to be a rule like that that somebody's holding over your head. But I'm going to tell you this as a married man, your wife will greatly appreciate you if you have a clean room when you, after you get up in the morning. Like I still am the one that makes my that makes our bed my wife does a ton of other things but like I, I get up because I'm usually the last one out she's an early riser I get up and I make my bed and you know it goes beyond making the bed right and and I think that even you bring in certain kids to a program and you're training them not to some standard some legalistic standard that you know you're going to be accepted by God or other people if you do these things but it's just part of like the growing and the maturing process and I would I think of a kid right now who I heard him say on multiple occasions, he just graduated from here. <clears throat> he went to a division two school for about a year and a half or two years and you know, things weren't like were explained to him and he transferred here. And he said repeatedly, like Bob Jones was so good for me in these areas. And I know he's not going to go out and do everything that Bob Jones asked of him while he was here, but it helped him grow and become a better man because of it and it doesn't have to be just here at Bob Jones I mean it could be wherever that is like again to stick to your culture stick to your standards that you've set you know if the kids don't do the do everything that you ask of them once they graduate and they're out on their own like that's fine like but but while they're here you can impact them in certain ways and and do what you believe is the right thing to do and help them grow and, and let God take care of the rest and transforming them into what they really need to be going forward. I think that's so amazing, Coach, because about on these calls the past couple of months, um, you know, being holistic in our coaching, the holistic approach. And, you know, we, we know, and if we're all being honest today, everybody's mindset is not the same. But when I hear you talking about even down to a clean room and make the bed, that translates over, like you said, to be a good husband, being a good father if that comes up. And, and I think it's so amazing that is something along with basketball and athletics and X's and O's that we're teaching them those things. And so I totally commend you for that. You know, I believe that God has a purpose, as you said, and, you know, even if you said for those that may not believe, you know, the stars aligning um, within your walk of professionalism and understanding that, you know, where he may be leading you may be away from Bob Jones. I don't know. Um, how do you know, and this is a question that comes up a lot in our cause. How do you know, that you're making the right move when you've prayed God and ask him, you know, is this for me? You know, sometimes jobs, they're our dream job. They glitter and gold. But how do you know? How does Tony Miller know when God is speaking to him and has led him somewhere? Yeah, you know, again, I think what I said before about, you know, the next step and the next step and the next step. People want to know what's going to happen five years out or they have dreams and aspirations of what can be five years out. And there's nothing wrong with that. For me personally, something that I found is it's almost more exciting to take the next step and the next step and the next step because you end up focusing on what's going to happen five years out. 
and you ignore the responsibilities and the things that you have right now. And I think especially in our profession, I've never been one to be like this. And I think maybe it might be part of my personality, but I've never been like, what's that next job? You know, what, when's the guy going to retire so that I can become the head coach or what's, I just, I haven't been like that. And I think part of it is just simply because God's taught me to be faithful in the things that you have right now here in front of you. And I'll take care of what's coming next. Uh, you know, to your question about how do I know that it's the right thing for me personally, is this something that I, I think that God's leading? I think there are, are again, events that he would coordinate that would, would kind of make that clear to an extent. Um, you can't go on feeling. You can't, I, I feel like this is going to be exciting. I want to do this. I feel like this is the wrong thing. You know, feelings are important. God gave those as well. But if I'm making a decision exclusively on that, I'm going to get myself in trouble. That idea of, you know, this is going to be fun and exciting. I was just talking to somebody about this, but um, there are a lot of jobs out there that seem fun and exciting. And then once you go to them, you find out like at the end of the day, it's still work. And so it better be something that you love and enjoy and that you believe in. I think that's something that maybe kind of you alluded to, but like that you believe in, that you are fully behind. Um, you know, is this something that is going to challenge me, is going to improve others and help others? So I think there's just a lot of things to, to ask about, you know, and the, the word of God, it talks about seeking counselors and asking for advice from things and not making decisions in, in a bubble. Um, so there are a lot of factors that go into it. And I think that where people get themselves in trouble is when they only look at one of those factors. And so, you know, I don't know that I'm necessarily answering your question, but I would actually say this is what not to do versus this is what I think you should do. You know, I think you should take a lot of things into consideration rather than the one thing of, I think this is going to be fun. Or I, you know, I think that the salary finally is something that I can support a family on or something like that. Right. Um, you know, those are all things that God, God promises to meet our needs and provide for us. And, to, and so don't take one thing into consideration, <clears throat> but take a lot of the factors in. And I would say the other thing is like, um, the idea of patience. You know, I think a lot of people think that I need to get my, I, I work with college students, right? And so I, I advise a lot of kids and they think that they're going to get their dream job out of college. And, you know, not to sound rude, but that's a very, that's a childish way of thinking. Like that, that typically just does not happen. Um, if I were to say to them, like, you know, you may end up getting your dream job by the time you're 30 or 33, they think that that means like, man, I got one foot in the grave, 33, that's old. Like uh, I'm 37 and I feel like I'm just getting started. Um, and, and that my point is, is the idea of patience and perspective and understanding that, that, that things will come again in, in the time that God wants them to come, but we need to be patient. And the idea of, of waiting, I think is something again, that's found a lot in scripture. Waiting is not sitting on your hands, just waiting for something to happen. If you see the way that it's portrayed in God's word, waiting is I work hard and I work really hard right now as I wait or anticipate the thing that I'm looking forward to happening. Um, and so the, the idea of just being faithful and working hard, that's something that's been probably the cornerstone um, of, of my career that I, that I value, not that it all, I always do it, but is that idea of, you know, industriousness and hard work. Um, and I think, again, that if you work hard, you know, uh, there's a verse that says, you see a man skilled in his work, he'll stand before kings. <clears throat> like, there's a, there's a level of, of determination and hard work that I think, again, God will reward if we're faithful and doing what he's called us to do right now. I think you answered that totally well. So you didn't have to question that. That was exactly, um, you know, so many times I said this, you know, maybe a couple of weeks back when we pray and ask God for something, you know, the blessing is in the waiting and people miss that part because God wants to see how we're one. Yeah. As he says in his word, if we're faithful over a few, few things, he'll make us ruler over many, but he has to know that he can trust us with these gifts. Right. And so in our waiting, I love how you said, you know, waiting is not just sitting on your hands. It's in preparation. What are you doing in your preparation mode to allow God to know that he's able to bless you with more or different? And so I thank you so much for, you know, that aspect, you know, as we are coaches and, you know, competitors of the game, and you know, and we're still people. What does Tony do 
to prepare for games and to prepare when life has its challenges, life has its twists and turns and negativity. What does Tony do, um, Coach Tony do in those moments where he needs a pick-me-up? What's that go-to song or that go-to scripture that Tony leans on when he needs a, a, a little bit of reassurance that God's still there? Oh, man. Um, the funny thing is, I don't know that I necessarily have one thing. I mean, I've kind of talked to you about the verse, just simply that, you know, being humble and um, the fact that, that God is near and will will meet our needs. I think that theme in the various verses is something that he um, has challenged me with through the years. <clears throat> I think as it is in sports, the difficult times, if you're not, if you haven't put in the work beforehand to be prepared for those, it doesn't matter what what happens in those difficult times. If you haven't put in the work, they're probably going to overwhelm you. So again, I, I think that the idea of you asked me like when when the challenges come you know I, I do attempt to go to God's word and it, usually what I found is he provides for me either through a passage or through a sermon or through something <clears throat> what I need to hear but as far as the difficult times and and being prepared for those like that's work that needs to be put in before the beforehand right and it's just like sports I don't I don't get ready for games on the game day I've put in weeks of preparation before that to be ready for game day and I think that's the same thing with the challenges of life. And that's difficult because just as human beings, like we float through life when things are good. And then when things get rough, then we're like, okay, I need to buckle down and do this. And again, I think that's a little bit of, of immature thinking. That's not, that's not how things should be working. Um, we wouldn't do that with our teams. Why would we do that with difficult things? So, you know, being prepared beforehand, um, whether that's arming yourself with verses or passages or thoughts or scriptures beforehand so that when the difficult times come that you're ready for them. Um, I do think again, that God rewards those who have put in the work. And when those difficult times come, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but if you've ever had a, a, a player come to you with something they're struggling with, and as you're sitting there listening to them, you're like, I have no idea what to say to them right now. And you're hoping that they just keep talking so that you can just maybe bide some more time. <clears throat> but I have found that a lot of times by the time they get to the end of that, I have something to say. And, it, it's, and when it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, I have no idea where that just came from. Well, I do know where it came from. Like God gave that to me when I needed it to be able to answer them and provide for them maybe some help and some guidance. And it really wasn't me that was talking, but it was just God speaking through me. You know, I don't want to sound mystical, but it's it just using me. And again, the things that maybe he's taught me to be able to be an encouragement to them. That came from preparation beforehand. That didn't come to like, all right, you come to me. And I say to you now, all right, all right, let, let me open my Bible and, and look up something that maybe will help. Like that, those things are given to me, I, I believe, through the Holy Spirit so that then I can be a help. So, you know, long story short, <clears throat> putting in the work again, another theme maybe, but putting in the work to be prepared for those difficult times so that when the challenges do come, you can be a, a mouthpiece or a vessel to be a help to somebody else. I think that's so good. I, it's one of my favorite quotes that I saw and I, I love to try to get the credit where it's due, but I don't know who said it, but it says get in the work so much until it gets in you. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the biggest thing, like you said, preparing our arsenal as leaders and coaches so that when something happens, we don't go searching like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. God will give us, yeah. you know, and I love how you said I'll be his mouthpiece. That has been my my cry, my spiritual cry out, you know, my promise to God, you know, over some things he's blessed me with. That, you know, I told him much like in the word where, you know, he said, I won't let go until you bless me. I told God until you. you <laughs> I promise you, if you heal me, I'll be your mouthpiece. And so I love that you said that, um, you know, Coach, with everything going on in the pandemic um, and just you know, all these different things, how is Bob Jones, how is your program, you know, one doing? Um, and what are you all preparing for? How does next season look? And what are you all preparing for in these mindsets? And how much of, you know, your spiritual guidance, as you've talked about, and we can see it so humbly in you, how much do you all lean on that to kind of help make these decisions? Yeah, I think, you know, again, that's the theme that we've been talking about, but just being prepared and putting in the work now because you don't know what's coming. And, um, you know, I was just talking with somebody yesterday about this with <clears throat> with scheduling is the idea that there could be a chance that we don't play games or we play limited amounts of games. 
um, there's a possibility that I could get a bunch of phone calls from people over the next two or three weeks and be like, we got to cancel this game and that game and this game. <clears throat> right now I have almost basically a full schedule. Um, something that was kind of interesting, we're in the process of moving into division three. And so we're kind of under the NCAA guidelines now, and there's a lot that goes into that. And there's a lot of things that are unique at the division three level that even the D one and D two levels don't have to deal with. And so, you know, counting on God for a lot of wisdom right now because there are so so many unknowns. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, you, you have a group of young men that you're responsible for and there could be a significant change or even <clears throat> no, no season. And now you have a group of young men that, I mean, a lot of them, they, they, they go to a school to play basketball, right? But the fact of the matter is they're still students you're still wanting to make an impact in their life. What do I need to do to be able to still accomplish that? Um, and so, and so if you, if, if you, again, I feel like continue to be faithful and, and uh, just one step at a time, because there are so many unknowns, like everybody's just guessing right now. And there, there are things that, you know, people don't really know as far as the, the schedule of what, when we're even going to play. Um, but stay, trying to stay in contact with our guys, you know, they're guys, they don't want text messages every day, but I try to every couple of weeks, um, you know, shoot them a text message. We have the Zoom group meetings every, every, other, every other week and talk to them for about 30 minutes. We'll do a devotional and just ask them how they're doing just so that we can see their faces and they can see ours. You know, I think we talked about this before, but the, the, the idea of I want to make an impact beyond this and how does that start? That starts through a relationship with them. Do I have all the answers? No but I can at least continue to grow that relationship through this difficult time. Um, I don't want to make this time sound trite, but I do want to want people to think about this. We talk about, again about this has been really hard for some people. The last four months seem like an eternity <clears throat> for others. Maybe it seems like it went by super fast, but if you look at this in the spectrum of your entire life, 18 months isn't that big of a deal. If that's how long we're dealing with this, if you miss a season, it's not that it's not a big deal, but in the light of eternity, like it's not that big of a deal. So again, what do I need to be doing right now to stay faithful to what God's called me to do, um, to encourage people who are discouraged because maybe they've lost jobs. I've got kids that their parents have been furloughed or let go or whatever. Like it's bigger than basketball and I need to keep that in mind. So this isn't about just preserving my program or making sure that when we do come back that we've got the best players available. Like that stuff's important. <clears throat> but there are other things that are out there that are more important than that, right? I mean, when you add in even, we haven't even spoken to this, but you add in the, the race relations and situations that are going on. Like, there's a lot going on for, for, for my guys. Like, I've got 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. I've got white players. I've got black players. I've got people. I, you know, I've got, there are a lot of factors and things that are weighing on them and voices that they're hearing. <laughs> You know, I need to make sure that the things that they're hearing or questions that they're hearing that I can help answer or point them to people. And so there's a lot of things that you're juggling right now. Um, and, you know, something that God's been teaching me is that idea of heavenly wisdom. Like we need a lot of godly wisdom right now um, because it's more than basketball. It's more than just we want you to become a better man. It's how do I treat people with honor and respect and show them the love that God shows me and, um, that I value people and that I care for people who are hurting and people who have lost loved ones and <clears throat> people who are afraid of getting sick. And, you know, there's a lot that's going on. And I need a lot of wisdom for that. So, you know, to answer your question, I'm just trying to take the next day and the next day and the next day, <clears throat> but I'm praying for a lot of godly wisdom. I like that. Godly wisdom. Don't be surprised if you see me take that. I'll quote you though. I do well giving credit. Um, because, because I think that I think that is so easy. We, you know, as coaches and as leaders, we do we learn to react. We learn to learn to roll with the punches, no matter what the situation may be. But you know, I talk about this all the time in our day to day. How often do we consult and seek God in what we're? Doing? Um, so I love that you say that godly wisdom, that heavenly wisdom, because you know my my pastor always says you got to have holy uh, holy boldness. Um, and I think these things like you mentioned the social injustices and. The pandemic as well, because there's everybody has a different belief system and opinions. And so with so much going on and we're reaching out to these young people who are still trying to figure out just life 
prior to all of this, we really have to make sure that we have that godly wisdom, as you said, to be able to navigate them the right way. So I love that you said that. Um, and talking about kind of building those relationships with your guys um, and checking up on them, I really love that because um, I've been doing much of the same things. And you know, with the coaches on this call and those that may not be on this call today, we do some devotionals too. So seeing that you had um, your young men doing some devotionals here and there, what are some of the things that you do, the devotionals that you do with your young men or that you would suggest for some of our players that are trying to figure it out right now? Yeah, so, I mean, something that we've done recently, we've even let a couple of the guys speak, some of the returning players, <clears throat> um, and things, again, that maybe they've been, that God's been teaching them, or things that they learned through their first year. Um, for us, it's never too early to be thinking and talking about being a godly husband, being a godly spouse, um, um, being an encouragement to other people, challenging other people, challenging your teammates, like, one of the things that's cool is that <clears throat> they're getting a lot of opportunities in a team setting to do and to practice things that they'll be using in real life. And I think it's capitalizing on those. And so if you're a coach, um, I, without giving a bunch of examples, let me just encourage you to think like, what kinds of things do you wish that you'd have had a test case on before you got into the real world? Right. Um, you know, and, and that can go, that can go beyond, um, you know, what we've even talked about, like using, being a good steward and what you mentioned, like being a good steward and using your money the right way. Um, you know, being as, as getting, get, people don't want to talk about this in, in public, but like how you treat your spouse, um, you know, showing love, um, how you respect women, how you respect others, like those kinds of things, they need to hear those. I, you know, something that God's challenged me with, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, and, and, and I, we try to bring the kids around as much as possible and I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm trying to show them what a family that, that loves each other, a family that, that sometimes struggles when the kids are wild. Like that was a wild trip down to Florida last year when the, when the girls, when, when my girl was screaming and you know, my boy was sick of, had to go to the bathroom. Like we walked like four times to the back of the bus to use the bus bathroom. And they saw us walk by every single time. Like they need to see what these things look like. They need to see what it what it means to be a, a father, what it means to be a, a husband, what it means to be a, a brother, what it means to you know, right now I have my mom's going through cancer. Like what it means for they need to pray with me with those things. Um, I want them to see prayers answered. And this is what happens when you pray for things like um, I'd encourage coaches like things that you're struggling with or things that you're going through, like don't try to be tough and hold those in, allow your players to see those things and to go through those things with you, <clears throat> uh, to pray through those things. Uh, like I said, to see prayers answered through you all going through those difficult things. Like we talk a lot about being a family. Every program does. What does that actually look like? And are you actually doing that? Like, oh, yeah, we give each other high fives and we huddle at the end and we, you know, and we ask each other, you know, how you doing on the sidewalk? Like, it's not being a family. That's being a basketball team. Like, if you want to actually be a family, do the, do the gritty stuff and the ugly stuff that people don't want to talk about and go through those kinds of things together. So, and again, just teach them for life after basketball, the culture stuff that we talked about, anything that that again, you struggle with or things that you've gone through or think lessons that you learned, like they need to learn those things too. Um, so, you know, long story short, teach them life, like, like help, help, help them learn life um, and show them the, show them the beautiful parts of it, show them the ugly parts of it. Like sin is a real thing. They need to see what sin looks like. They need to see what God's forgiveness looks like. They need to see what forgiveness looks like when you forgive another person who's wronged you. Show them what real life uh, looks like and show them what real faith looks like. I think that's amazing. And sometimes we do because we're in the leadership position. We try our best to, you know, just put on this strong face. And, you know, I was having a call the other day and we had someone talking about pretty much just mental health and how we adjust and how to be able to adjust when something has thrown us off that we didn't expect. And I asked them, I said, you know, do you all know when coach a bad day? And they're like, sometimes. So I asked, how do you know? And they were like, well, you really don't show much emotion, but there's just something in your face. There's something you're walking. So 
the kids, they see it. And I think we sometimes have to give them more credit um, about what they're able to understand and see in us. And I love when you pinpointed that, you know, show them that we go through things. They need to see that prayers can be answered. And I love that so much because you're right. You know, we want to win. We want to teach them to be skillful in whatever the sport is. But at the same time, too, life is out there after the one, two, or four years that they spend with us. And when they are released into the world, have we shown them those things? I remember, you know, a couple years back, um, I lost my grandfather. And months before that, I had knee surgery. And I didn't tell my players, but my coaches told them, like, hey, I need y'all to be on board. Okay, she's going through a lot. I need y'all to be on board. And it was our best season ever. And, you know, I love my babies and they work hard. But, you know, there's a few people on the call, you know, some we just don't have it and that was not our most talented team and they went to like the regional finals that year all because it was like if coach can still show up and go through what she's going through she's on crutches she's doing this well we can at least put our best foot forward so I think you're so right in just that transparency as in leaders that we have to you know showcase to show them that we're real people and that life does hit but there is a way around that so I'm so glad that you said that um I know that you got some stuff going on, so I'm going to ask this question, which is the basis of, you know, we talk about every day and, you know, get y'all here, but what does servant leadership look like in Dr. Tony Miller's eyes? When we talk about servant leadership, it takes so many forms and shapes. What does that look like and sound like to you? Uh, there's one back in there. I'll, I'll get it for you. I'll get it for you in a minute. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll take care of it. Yeah, I'll take care of it. Um, you know, sorry about that. Um, you know, I, I think it's just being willing to do, willing to do anything. You know, I'll give you an example of this, but you know, last uh, summer, a couple summers ago, something like that, <clears throat> something happened and, you know, we weren't able to have the janitorial crew come in. And I, I remember the head coach and I in between sessions, uh, cleaning the toilets and cleaning the bathroom. Like it's just doing the job that needs to get done. And I, I, I think that that was something that my parents taught me, um, obviously a scriptural principle and a, a biblical principle, but there are a lot of jobs that people either don't want to do or things that don't get seen. I think if you work in sports, you understand that. It's the fact that there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. Um, players show up and parents show up and the field's already painted or the balls are already out or the gym floor's already swept. Well, who did that? A lot of times probably that's going to be the coach. Um, because there's nobody else to do that. And you just do it because it's just something that needs to get done. Um, and I think that that's part of being a team is the fact that there are things that either some people aren't going to be able to do or there's things that you just don't have people to do them. And like the job just has to get, to get done. <clears throat> and I, I think that there's an aspect of servant leadership that people don't talk about. They think of like, I'm giving up something to lead somebody else. And that's true. But the other idea is just the fact that the job needs to get done. And why not you? You know, I, I, I think that there were probably several times where um, the Lord, while he was here on earth, was there was just a job that needed to get done. And I'm, I'm going to just do it. And so, you know, don't think of yourself as being too high for anything. It doesn't matter what titles at the beginning of your name or how many years you've been coaching. <clears throat> I would think. Two, that you talk about, I'm going to teach to my kids servant leadership. All right, I'm going to need you to clean the toilets. Oh, no, no, no. I can't clean the toilets. I'm the head coach. I got to do some other stuff. Like, wait a minute, what? So, again, I think if you're going to, if you're going to preach certain things, it's going to cause you, it's going to require you to do some things. And it's not just cleaning toilets. There's other things, too. Like, if you're going to do certain things, if you're going to talk about certain things as being important, and we're going to be these things if you're part of our program that there are going to be some times where you're going to be confronted with, okay, are you actually going to do those things or are you just going to talk about those things? <clears throat> and you're going to have to decide, am I going to be a hypocrite or am I going to do the things that the person that, that I've been telling other people is important to? And again, I just think that it's, 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 does our, do our actions back up our words and they better because those little eyes, like you just said, those little eyes are watching. And the next time that you say to them, Hey, you need to go do this. They're going to look at you and be like, uh, nope, I don't think so because you don't do what you've been talking about. So, you know, again, none of us is perfect with this. I do this too, but you know, there, 
you better make sure that your walk is consistent in the things that you're talking about. Otherwise, you're going to be found out to be a fraud very quickly. And that's one of those things that we talk about throwing coins in that trust bucket um, and building that trust up with our players. And uh, that's a big one. That's a big one because, again, those players, it's not just one eye that's watching or one pair of eyes that's watching us. It's a lot of eyes that are watching us too. Um, and if you don't think that's the case, wait until you have kids. Um, you, you got kids and, you know, we need to love each other. And then mommy and daddy get in an argument and you look down in the stroller and you got two little eyes looking back up at you like, wait a minute, you just told me to love other people and you're not loving mommy right now. What's going on? Um, and, and you don't want that to be, to be the case uh, as a servant leader. <laughs> I think that's so true. And, you know, you couldn't see it, but it was almost like right on time. You got Ms. Carol and Coach Huff and G down here. As soon as we talked about servant leadership, you had, I'm assuming maybe one of your players or coaches walk up to you. And uh, Coach Huff said, it. you know, he, he just said the best of it. Whatever it is, I'll get it done. And it's so funny. You didn't plan that, but it just it came in sync with everything that, you know, we're talking about. And I think that's just it. Sometimes we can get beat beyond ourselves to feel that my title has exceeded what I'm able to do. But we have to recognize that as servant leaders, like you said, there's a job to do. Why not you? And it, I think it reminds me also too of uh, Coach Paul, who's on here. He says it all the time. He talks about his 68 and he says, just like the scripture says, here I am, send me. So I love that. I think that's just another way to say that. And knowing that, you know, I'm trying to also keep in mind because I want you guys to understand something. I know Coach um, had some other things come up and we, he still kept this time for us. So I'm going to take this time right now that if anybody has any comment or question for coach, I'll let you all, you know, kind of have at them if you need so, so that we can get you going, coach. Coach Tony? Yes, sir. I'm calling you Coach Tony, but I don't know if you want to refer to this, Coach Tony. That's um, quite all right. So, I've been called so, worse things in life. Okay. So <laughs> he, he, here's the deal. It, it's, it, you have pointed out, um, most of your presentation has been about what you need to be doing and how you can successfully do what you do. And there's an old African proverb about how it takes a village to raise a kid. Well, I'd stop using that. And one of the reasons I stopped using that because in that, in that proverb, the village was replicative of everybody having the same ideology. Everybody thought the same thing, acted the same way, so they treated kids accordingly. But the way it is in that day's time, these kids see you. They don't see the administration. They don't see the faculty or staff. They see you as the coach in that, in that arena. So you have to be the living example of what these kids see. And so when you, when you, when you keep saying they need to see me, they need to see me, well, that's, that's what it really boils down to because that's who they need to see you, and that's where the example is, is, is for yeah. you. Because if we were around like that old African proverb about it takes a village, that village is going out of style. Is going out of style because if some of these kids were raised in the same village I was raised up in, then we wouldn't have a lot of problems that we have it. But it's just a difference now because the village is just different. It's just a different whole approach. So when you get these little babies, as Chelsea refers to my little babies, when you get them in your gym and your camp and under your, your direction, everything they need to see, you're going to have to provide that. And you did a very thorough job in alluding to that in your whole presentation. You kept saying, well, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got because you understand your calling, you understand what it takes. As long as you understand that, it is, it, it, it's not stressful, it's not stress-free, because you understand that whatever I have to offer these kids, I'm going to have to do that. And so yeah. you did a very good job, I thought a thorough job, where we all are kind of in the same boat. We have to serve that example for all our kids. And thank you for yeah. sharing that. I appreciate that, Coach. Yeah, so, you know, something that he said just made me think of the fact that in, in, in the scripture, Paul says that at a certain point, like, follow me the way that I followed Christ. And there, there, isn't, a, there isn't a pride in that. Um, and you're, you're talking about a man who is well aware of the fact that he was a sinner and that he did things that, that weren't right. And, and, you know, I hope that I didn't give that idea. Uh, I'm very well aware, again, of my sin. Uh, you know, again, get married or have kids and you'll quickly realize just how sinful you are. But it's the fact that in those times that I do have the opportunities to show others what it means to be a servant leader or whatever it is, like I have to make the most of those opportunities. And I, like you said, I think that, you know, you speak with wisdom and the fact that 
you're old enough to understand and you're self-aware of the fact that um, you have those opportunities and you better make the most of those opportunities. And I would just encourage anybody that's listening to this is to not, not, not undervalue every opportunity that you have with a kid because you only may get them for a year. You only may get them for a couple of years. And so like, don't think, well, it doesn't matter this time or it, this time is it be willing to have hard conversations with them in a one-on-one -on -one setting, be willing to ask them about things that they're struggling with, like make the most of those opportunities because <clears throat> again, you're, you're getting those kids at such a formidable age um, you know, in times where, like you said, they're being bombarded with so many things and the, the, the worldview from the outside is, is give, telling them how they should live and the, right. And like, we need to be taking the word of God and the things that, that he says, this is how we should live and the things that we should do. And we've got to be sending them those messages. So, you know, making the most of every opportunity, because if we pass up an opportunity, probably somebody else is going to take that opportunity to speak something into their ears. And it may not be something that they need to be listening to. I think that's so true. I think we have time for one more, just in case. I don't ever want to make anybody not have a moment. <laughs> Coach Tony, thanks. A great message. And, and what, what resonated with me was, everything you talked about is, is something you live. And so I'm a firm believer that our life is our message and your message today was, was outstanding, but it, it was, it was not so much how it was more of what you were doing while you were giving the message. If that makes sense. I mean, just yeah. even, even that interruption, but it's clear, clear. I mean, your life is your message. And so I just thank you for that. and appreciate that, that, that witness to us today. I, I appreciate that. You know, one thing that I would encourage everybody, <clears throat> we kind of started with this, so maybe it comes full circle, but Chelsea asked me what I do for a living. And I, I, I tell people, if you looked at my paycheck, you would understand this, but I, I coach as a hobby. Like I'm a teacher and teaching is simply passing on what you've learned to somebody else. And I, I said this to, in another podcast or something that I did the other day. But I would encourage everybody to think about the word legacy. <clears throat> um, legacy is not what you will be remembered for. If you actually look it up in the dictionary, <clears throat> legacy is something that you pass on to somebody else. It's more so about the thing that you're passing on than it is about you. And, you know, being remembered is great. But the fact of the matter is <clears throat> probably five years after you're gone, outside of your family, probably not many people are going to remember you or think about you for a long time, right? <clears throat> but the things that you pass on to the, the next generation or to your kids or to your players, <clears throat> that has the potential to be passed on for literally decades or hundreds of years. Um, and so the things that you have are very valuable. And I think that goes back to what I was saying you better be making the most of each opportunity <clears throat> to pass on those individual things, whatever they are, faith, you know, culture, trust, love, whatever those things are. Make the most of every opportunity to pass those things on, <clears throat> not what can I do to be remembered? Because again, the fact of the matter is probably outside of that tombstone, <clears throat> we're not going to be remembered 100, 150 years from now. But those things our faith and things that I talked about, those can be remembered for a really long time. I think that is so huge, so huge. Um, I'm looking at you guys uh, chat um, boxes here as well. Um, great points. I don't know if you want to share that coach price or not, but I think that's so amazing because you do. We think when we talk about legacy, we talk about, okay, how can I be remembered? You know, when I'm gone, what can I post up? But it truly is. There's coaches who are on this call, you know, from day in and day out. And, and it is. I'm 33. I'll be 34 this year. And I remember things when I was 11 years old um, from one of my coaches who, you know, comes on here often. And so you're absolutely right. It's about what can we pass on. And we have to be mindful of what they hear. You know, I hear uh, Coach Price sit down. In the chat, she said, um, that's why we're so grateful for the godly influence to our kids that we have outside of our home, um, which is why our positions are so important. We need to speak Jesus to these kids um, that we get um, to influence. And I think that's so, so true because unfortunately, yes, Coach Paul, I am. 
But, uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we're the only God um, kids can see. And so it's not about forcing it on them, but, you know, the, what, what greater way to show them um, the God in us by just pure service, just being good people. Like we say, sometimes we make this grandiose idea, but it's really just about loving them as Christ loved us, as you stated, and letting them see with those beautiful eyes, whatever colors they may be, that we're showing what Christ would show. And so I just want to take the time to thank you so much, Coach, for just rendering us your time and your wisdom. My goodness, I wish you could see my notes down here. Um, But I appreciate you so much for that because I know with the world opening back up, um, you know, things get kind of crazy and you found it not robbery to, to talk with us. And as always, I thank the coaches that are on this call. Tomorrow we have Coach and Pastor Dennis, uh, you know, that's on here and he's amazing. I'm looking forward to it. Coach Tony, if you ever get some time, we're always going to be here at the same time, same place. You just All right. join us, man. Um, Coach Price, did you have something? I didn't um, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, I don't have my um, my screen on because I'm sitting in my cupboard. I got you. So you got all my food behind me in my refrigerator. <laughs> I got you. We have time. <laughs> I want to say something real quick. I no, just... we're good. Okay. Yes, ma'am. All right. But um, Pastor Dennis will be with us tomorrow at the same time. And Pastor Dennis, if you don't mind, can you send us out with a, a prayer so they can get a little taste of what we're going to get tomorrow? Oh, sure, sure. It would be my pleasure. Uh, great message, uh, Dr. Tony. Appreciate you so much, brother. Let's pray. Father, it's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we come, oh God, with a heart of thanksgiving and mouth filled with praise. So much, Lord, that we've heard today, Lord, and what was resonated in my spirit, oh God, is that to be great in the kingdom, one only has to have a desire to serve. Thank you for the humility of our teacher today. Thank you for the koinonia and the fellowship of like-minded people, oh God. Now, Lord, we pray that in that season of waiting, we would wait as we were admonished today in faith, that we would remember that obedient preparation proceeds a blessing, and that, Lord, when we come into our blessed place, when we come into that which we've desired of you, that we would remember, O God, that to keep it, we must give it away. Lord, continue to bless, continue to inspire, continue to lead, O God, and Lord, on the other side of what you bring us out of, we'll be careful to give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise. Continue to bless us that we would be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much again, Dr. Tony. If there's anything I can ever do or we can do, you just let us know. I appreciate your words. Thank you so much, Pastor Dennis. We can't wait to hear from you tomorrow. Look forward to it. Reach out. I'll see you guys later.